Okay, Wiz, good morning. And this is the final division of the AFC that we're going to recap, and that is the AFC West as we move along through each of the divisions and uh, assessing the talent that was added during the NFL draft. And, Wiz, I, you know, I got to tell you, I I really loved Mike Mayock, what he did when he was a commentator on the NFL Network. And John Gruden, also marvelous, <laughs> marvelous announcer for ESPN after his career as a coach. But I sit here today uh, looking at the Las Vegas Raiders in sheer wonderment what in the hell is going on when it comes to drafts because and coaching on the field you know you know how frustrated I was with the Raiders last year but I don't get what they did once again and maybe you have more enlightenment for me but to me the Las Vegas Raiders don't have a direction when it comes to these drafts yeah I mean <laughs> I thought <clears throat> I thought they made one great pick a couple of okay picks and a couple of poor picks. Uh, the Trevin Morig, who I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I thought was great value uh, at, at pick 43 round two. Uh, Alex Leatherwood uh, seemed like a little bit of a reach. I know he's that type of player. Um, I'm talking about uh, Mayock and Gruden, but I thought that's a player they could have gotten later on in the draft. Uh, they made up for it with the Morig pick. And then after that, I thought it was uh, it was it was it was very very average. Um, they they basically just took some chances in their in their secondary. They just took some flyers on some plays. Uh, Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech and and Gillespie in Missouri and Nate Hobbs um, are just all guys that. Are, are, are a work in progress and they're going to have to improve uh, and they're I think the way the Raiders are doing it is they drafted three of them and they hope that you know if they can have a 333 batting average and one of them uh, turns out to be a terrific player they'll be fine but I do not like the Leatherwood pick I love the Mari pick and then after that I thought it was I thought it was just okay. Yeah, I just think there were just so many better linemen and the you know guys. I think if they wanted Leatherwood, I think they could have got him. You know, whatever they could have got him, even you know late second round, early third round. I think that was the type of talent that he was rated as coming into this draft. There were better players at the position. I do agree with the position that they they addressed. Uh, and we know that this team lost so many games on defense. This is a horrendous defense to start. Really bad, bad defense. And, you know, when you're just rolling dice on players, I just, I don't know. I don't have a, this is a division that is going to be tough to compete in uh, from a defensive standpoint because of the offensive talent in the division. When you look at the Broncos, because we do like their skill set players. When you obviously look at the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who are coming off two Super Bowl appearances, including one championship, and the Chargers, the strides that they made last year uh, with a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, look, this team's not going to be able to stop any of them. And so that's where my concerns uh, begin. And, you know, the Raiders, you know, I could see the Raiders coming in last place in this division. Like last year, you knew my view on them. I actually picked them to, to win more than seven games, which they <laughs> eclipsed on the very last play very luckily um, in, in the last game of the season. But I think this is the worst team in the division on paper, at least that's my take right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I I have to see how um, 
you know, plays out with Denver, who ends up being their quarterback, whether it's Bridgewater uh, or, you know, maybe uh, uh, Drew Locke or even potentially Aaron Rodgers. We'll have to see how that plays out. But I don't like what they did um, in this draft, and I, I thought their overall draft was, was, was below average. All right, so let, let's talk about the Broncos, Wiz. Uh, so, you know, there was speculation at, at that pick at number nine that they could have gone the quarterback despite the fact that they gave up a six-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke is here. As I mentioned, we do love the offensive talent here. We probably like it a little bit more now that they've added Javante Williams, who I think is probably one of the more interesting running back prospects in this draft, and they did it pretty early with pick number 33. Oh, sorry, pick number 35. Um, they take Patrick Sertan, uh, the second. Uh, his, his dad played in the league. I take him at the safety position, a position that needed addressing, which they did do. Um, they added a lot of other parts on defense here. They added an offensive lineman, a, a kid from Wisconsin, um, Whitewater. I guess we're not going to see a lot of it, but he had a lot of intrigue uh, around him. And the Denver Broncos, who's going to win that quarterback job? And I do think this is one of the finest set of skill set players in the league. And the question is, can Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater lead this offense? So your take on the Denver Broncos draft and the fact is it possible, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit already, is Aaron Rodgers a potential equation answer for them in that he comes to this team in some way, shape, or form? I, I don't know if you think that's a possibility. I know you suggested that you thought this was a landing spot for Aaron Rodgers last year. So how do you feel about that now? And in addition, your thoughts on this draft. Yeah, I mean, I predicted. I mean, I, I don't know what odds I could have gotten that Aaron before the season started last year would be quarterbacking the Denver Broncos this year, but probably the odds are a lot less right now than when I made the statement. I still think there's a heck of a chance it comes true. Um, I don't even know. So if they don't do anything with Aaron Rodgers, I don't even know how that quarterback competition with Bridgewater and Locke plays out. I think that could go either way. As far as that draft, let's break it down. Satan was the, you know, and J.C. Horn with the injury to medical stuff with Farley with the, with the two safest bets at cornerback. They shored that up. I, I don't necessarily – I like Javante Williams. Don't get me wrong. But, I, you know, when a team gives up equity to move up, to take a running back in a draft, I don't necessarily like that. So I like the player. I don't necessarily like um, – the fact that they had to trade up and get future stuff to get Javante Williams, although I think he's he's going to be a terrific player. Uh, Quinn Mears from uh, Wisconsin Whitewater is an interesting player. Uh, he's one of these guys that didn't play against great competition, of course, but I think he has a chance to be an NFL starter. And I felt um, – Jamar Johnson from Indiana, round five, pick 164, was one of the best value picks of the draft. As we mentioned over and over, some of these safeties, especially what the Raiders did, taking these these safeties and, and secondary players and a bunch of other teams much earlier, uh, I feel Jamar Johnson um, and the, you know the coaching staff, they have a good feel for the defensive side of the ball. I thought Jamar Johnson may have been one of the best picks of the entire draft. So I don't like what Denver did. They had a lot of picks, so I, I don't mind the fact so much that they moved up to get uh, Javante Williams from North Carolina. And, uh, I think, you know, if they could get that quarterback situation straightened out, and they could get somebody there who uh, won't turn the ball over, 
can make the solid plays, keep the chains moving. Uh, there's a lot to like about Denver going forward, and uh, I, I like I like the, what they did in this draft. I thought they had a rock solid draft, starting with the rock solid Patrick Satan and making some terrific value players, uh, some terrific value picks along the way. Yeah, the thing about Williams is now he comes into a running back situation where, and you know I'm not overly sold on Melvin Gordon from a production standpoint, although he he, he was pretty solid last year, I have to admit. I, I, he actually ended up having a pretty decent season. Philip Lindsay's moved on. Uh, Mike Boone is here from, from Minnesota, who they picked up in the offseason. But Javante Williams has a chance to really make an impact from a fantasy perspective pretty quickly on this roster, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think they should kind of you know turn the page and and uh, and you know, give Javante Williams the keys to the kingdom and uh, and see what he can do. He's a a, a tackle breaking machine, a different type of running back than ETN. Um, Certainly, uh, and Najee Harris, a different type of running back. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people preferred him to the other two. Depends what you were looking for. But uh, I thought uh, I thought the fact that uh, they moved up to trade him and gave up future equity was a little bit difficult. But like I said, I, I like the player, and I like a lot of the – equity and the value picks that the Broncos made. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you that the uh, the Broncos, with those skilled young players that we like so much, uh, there's a lot to like there. All right. Now, we talked a lot about what the Kansas City Chiefs did before the draft. Uh, in free agency, they've kind of rebuilt an offensive line completely. Uh, in addition to that, they made a trade coming into this draft. They moved out of the first round, and they basically added their left tackle. So all those worries and fears about the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, those are, those are long gone at this point in time. Uh, they addressed the position again with their second pick of this draft in Creed Humphrey, uh, a player who is seen to be definitely a higher caliber player who could start on this offensive of line as well. Um, I think the most interesting pick on this roster is a guy who did nothing for his first three years in college. Tall guy, um, but call, uh, but but the kid Powell from Clemson, you know, Sammy Watkins is gone. He's a different type of receiver, and any receiver that you add to a Patrick Mahomes offense has to be looked at as a potential option. So, Wiz, what do you see here in the Kansas City Chiefs? Obviously, we talked a lot about this offensive line rebuild, and you, I know you were very pleased about that. Um, so, did the Chiefs address what they needed to address in this draft, given the fact that they moved out of the first round and they actually came into this draft with a limited amount of picks to start with? I, I like what Kansas City did. <clears throat> um, Nick, Bolton's, Nick Bolton is one of my favorite players in this entire draft because he just brings me back to a time when I used to just, you know, as a young kid, used to love to watch football. Um, his instincts... His angles are just incredible. He is such a smart, terrific football player. I love Nick Bolton from Missouri. I thought that is just a perfect fit. He is just a smart, smart football player who is going to lead that defense uh, with his instincts. Um, Cree Humphrey, tremendous value. I thought that pick 63, he is a better offensive linemen than probably five to ten offensive linemen that were taken ahead of him. I thought an amazing value pick. Now remember, they, they only had two picks in the top 144 picks, and I thought they hit home runs with both of those picks. As you mentioned, uh, you know, 
Powell, and they drafted a tight end, Noah Gray as well. I, I thought there's um, I, I thought they did a lot of good stuff with limited equity and uh, and 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 the fact that they didn't draft. You know, have too many picks early in the draft. I really like what Kansas City did. Uh, I just love those first two picks of Bolton and Creed Humphrey. All right, super. Okay, so final team that we run into is the Los Angeles Chargers, and uh, I'm going to say that I think this is one of the top drafts uh, of, of all the teams in the NFL, addressing positions of need and just a quality in the positions, getting the top two picks in, in, in Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, in the second round uh, for the secondary. And, you know, look, an intriguing prospect at wide receiver in Josh Palmer. Would you add that to the mix? Maybe potentially a replacement for Mike Williams down the road. I thought an interesting uh, edge guy, again, undersized, but Chris Rumpf from Duke looks like an interesting talent here. So I love what the Chargers did. Wiz, do you agree with that or not? Oh, I, I agree. I agree. And if somebody wanted to say the Chargers had the best draft, I, I wouldn't argue with that. I, that that's certainly debatable. Uh, it's certainly an argument you made. They, they had a terrific, terrific draft. Uh, starting with Rashawn Slater, I thought he could have been drafted uh, eight uh by the Carolina Panthers, the fact that he lasted to pick 13 uh, for the Chargers, I thought it was just amazing for them. Asante Samuel is a terrific player who fits perfectly with the kind of defense that um, that 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 Staley and they want to run there on defense. So I thought he's a first-round talent. Taking with pick 47, Josh Palmer, another good pick. Trey McKinney, uh, tight end, another interesting pick. I, I like their draft from start to finish, and I thought they had tremendous value with their early picks. Players that uh, Slater certainly was the second-best tackle. I thought Sean Slater um, – could have gone, like I said, as early as eight to Carolina right after Panay Sewell was taken. Um, so that was a home run for them. And uh, Asante Samuel is a terrific player and a perfect fit for what they want to do. And then I thought the rest of their draft was quality and value picks from start to finish. Loving what the Chargers did in this draft. Yeah, look, look, there's a lot to be excited about here. There was a number of games last year where the Chargers could have won won those football games, and I think adding pieces to the puzzle that can make that difference. Uh, Justin Herbert had a great rookie season. I think there were a lot of questionable decisions made on the sidelines of this team, and and hopefully with new coaching and and better decision-making. Look, uh, probably the Chargers not that far away from the discussion of being a playoff team in the AFC West. Would you agree with that statement? I would, and I just want to mention one player that I didn't mention is, is Chris Rump from, from Duke. He, he was drafted round four, pick 118. And the reason why he was pick 118 is because he just doesn't have the size of some other pass rushers, but the intangibles, the desire, and the determination, he has a non-stop motor and uh, just another terrific pick right smack in the middle of the, of the draft. And uh, there's a lot to like, uh, there's a lot to like about the Chargers. And uh, when you make the point about the Raiders coming in last place in that division, uh, you know, you could see why. All right, Wiz. So uh, that is a wrap-up on the AFC. We're going to get to the AFC, uh, NFC uh, towards the end of the week. And, and then I guess we'll start to evolve our discussion around, you know, 
fantasy implications when you take into account everything that's happened on both the free agency side and the draft and kind of how we see things shaking out before the teams start to break out in their uh, preseason activities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's one thing to talk how it looks from a team perspective, the draft, but then it's a whole other thing when you start talking about fantasy implications, what these offensive linemen mean to the running back on their team, the quarterback on their team, what these terrific defensive players means for the NFL's team defenses in your league, uh, running back battles that's going to take place with the incumbent versus the rookie that was drafted. So it's fun to talk about the draft, how the teams did, how they filled their needs, but it's an entirely other thing when you talk about, okay, what are the fantasy football implications coming into the upcoming season based on what these teams did in the draft? Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it, you know quick one, just, just thinking about the, the Cincinnati Bengals, for example. Not, not that I want to talk about it right now, but you have a decision to make now. Like, what does this mean? You have three really talented guys at receiver, and only, you can't throw it to everybody all the time. So it'll just be interesting talking about that and how we see that shaking out. But, you know, make no mistake about it, you know, Joe Burrow is going to have the weapons to throw to. But I guess it's things like that that we're going to assess kind of moving forward as we look at both what teams have done in free agency and in this draft. So, that's, well, yeah, uh, I mean, you, there, there, are four, there are four obvious offensive connections that are now in play with all young first and se- first and rookie and, and second year players, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, um, Tua and, and Jalen Waddell. Um, in Philadelphia, they took Devontae Smith with Jalen Hurts and Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so that combination, those familiarities with those players with each other, will they now become the lead combinations for their respective teams? It is going to be uh, it is going to be very very interesting how it plays up. A lot of exciting fantasy football implications uh, based on that. All right, fantastic. Guru and Wiz, Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Wiz, enjoy the rest of your day. Look forward to catching up on the NFC later in the week. You do the same. Thank you.